first, we want to say a big thanks to our advertiser. Marvel Spider-Man features your favorite web-slinger in a story unlike any before it. Now a seasoned superhero, Peter Parker has been busy keeping crime off the streets as Spider-Man. Just as he's ready to focus on life as Peter, a new villain threatens New York City. Faced with overwhelming odds and higher stakes, Spider-Man must rise up and be greater. Sony Interactive Entertainment, Marvel, and Insomniac Games present Marvel's Spider-Man exclusively for PlayStation 4. The Big Apple comes to life as Insomniac's most expansive and interactive world yet. Swing through vibrant neighborhoods and catch breathtaking views of iconic Marvel and Manhattan landmarks. Use the environment to defeat villains with epic takedowns in true blockbuster action. Marvel's Spider-Man is coming exclusively to the PlayStation 4 on September 7, 2018. Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. This is Judy. And this is Sana. Hey, guys. Welcome. It's August. Oh, my God. Is it August already? Yeah. Where did this year go? And I haven't even been to the beach yet. You still have a few more weeks to salvage that. I'm going to try. I'm going to try real hard. What do we got going on in the world of Marvel? We have... Well, we have Rising is in the yes. shorts coming out. That's really why I asked that question, just so you could you could say. Let's that. talk about this amazing <laughs> thing you've been working on for the last year. We have the first shorts, uh, the prequel shorts for Marvel Rising, which is just a little teaser into just the world. Tease. Yeah, into into Marvel Rising and all the great characters that we have, and some of the great characters that you're going to be seeing in the movie uh, that comes out in the fall. And it's uh, six shorts. That are just really adorable, and they feature Quake and Ghost Spider, and and Patriot, and of course Squirrel Girl and Ms. Marvel, in their first epic superhero team up. And I said epic. I said epic before Judy did. Okay, you win. Ding 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 ding. So check it out. You can actually see it on DXD, and then it will also be available on Marvel HQ. So highly recommend it. It actually went really. It went over really well. At Comic Con in San Diego, and we did a bunch of promotions there with the voice cast, and we showed uh, about I think three of the shorts, and people just got very excited and were cheering and hooting and hollering. So we think it's really special, and we believe in this project, and we really hope that you guys do too, because a lot of these characters were really born out of like the Women of Marvel experience. Yeah, and of course the Marvel Rising comic series is currently um, on sale on stands. Right now, so get it for, you know, the favorite younger people in your life so they can get to know the Marvel Universe. And the amazing Marvel characters. Yes. Yeah. So who did you talk to, Well, when you were off in L.A. being important again, uh, we actually, um, well, I'm not doing this. I'm actually a (laughs) producer. Uh, So uh, we we worked on these two special videos for the the behind-the-scenes elements um, with our partnership with ESPN. Um, Every year we do something great with college football. And this year we did five covers, and then two of those have corresponding videos that are going out on both our channels and the ESPN channels that talk about like the great partnerships and also what they did this year is they had mascots from the college football teams sort of like 
fighting as if they were famous comic book covers um, from Marvel Comics history. And we had Maria Taylor from ESPN come on and talk about college football. Yeah, football. I'm so excited. I love football. I mean, I love watching (laughs) football. And I feel like college football is actually the most fun to watch. Yeah. Because fans get so into it. And, you know, so Maria Taylor is... uh, Herself, a uh, college athlete, she played volleyball when she was in college and then from there decided to keep on living that sports life. And so she's a correspondent for ESPN. She she deals with a lot of different types of college sports. And uh, she came on and we did the, the videos with her. And then we invited her to sit down and talk about, you know, how she got into the sports industry and like being a, you know, person of color and not only a person of color, but an athlete and uh, being a woman and working as a correspondent, I feel like, is a, a great conversation piece. And Maria also started this amazing organization called The Winning Edge that is developing the next generation of uh, women and minority leaders in the sports business. So also, she's really tall. I feel like inadequate for so many reasons because I'm not good at sports. I have not <laughs> clearly done as much as she has. And also, I am very short. But we're both short together, so it's fine. That's true. So we we equal one tall person. When we took our photo together, I made sure we sat down because then otherwise <laughs> we're, we're smart. But it's good. We cover everything here. We right? do. Yeah. We're so inclusive. We're we're hitting all those college yeah. football fans on the women of Marvel out there. We break stereotypes. Girls like sports too, guys. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go talk about it now. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash W-O-M. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest-rated hiring site in America. And right now, listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash W-O-M. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash W-O-M. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Maria Taylor, hello! Yay! Good to be here. I'm a woman of Marvel now, officially. Oh, yeah. I'm have... claiming it because I have a pin, okay? You do. You well, cannot reject just, me. We just got those pins. So, <laughs> And I was like, I immediately was like, she needs one. This is your gift for coming in today <laughs> and uh, talking a little bit about college football playoff mm-hmm. and, uh, and and what you do at ESPN. But first, for those who may not necessarily tune into ESPN all the time, what do you do there? Well, it's funny because even people who tune into ESPN have no clue who I am, and that's fine. Oh. <laughs> but I work specifically in the college sports world. So for ESPN, I'm on College Game Day, which is our weekly Saturday morning like college football magazine show. It's awesome. Get up, it's game day. We have fans there with a bunch of signs and we talk football in the morning. And then at night, I do our ABC Prime uh, college football night game. So usually it's like 8 p.m. It's on ABC and it's one of the best games of the week. And so it's been a fun ride. This will be my second year doing it. And previous to that, I was working on SEC Network. I also do a lot with women's sports. I hope work our final four and all of our um, tournament coverage and I also do our prime game for college basketball men's hoops of course so you keep yourself very busy yeah I do. I try to. Um, it's a lot of travel. So everyone always asks, where do you live? I'm like in a suitcase or like in an airport. But it's fun. I can't imagine doing anything else. I played sports in college kind of coming up. So 
all I've ever dreamed about was something that had to do with athletics. And I understand that with that comes almost like a seven day a week job. And a lot of times you're not going to have weekends. So coming into the broadcasting world, like I knew it was expected. And so I don't mind being gone all the time. Yeah, I actually travel a lot for work, too. So it's fun, right? There is an element of it that's like travel is Mm -hmm. really fun, but it can also be exhausting. But there's something sort of amazing about opening, you know, waking up in the morning in your hotel and opening the window. I mean, like, what is my view today? Yes. Do you ever wake up and you're just like, but where am I, though? Sometimes. Yeah. I jump out of my bed and I'm like, okay, New York, that's fine. That's where I am. Weirdly, in hotel rooms, I have to have complete darkness. But I live in New York and I clearly don't have complete darkness in Mm -hmm. my bedroom. But for some reason in hotel hotel room, room, it's different. Yes. I don't know why that makes a difference, but it does. But it's kind of like your other home. So I understand that people like if you're in a hotel a lot, like it feels comfortable. And some people like, oh, that's gross. Like I hate hotel rooms and stuff. I kind of love it. Like, you know, it's going to be clean. And like you said, you can like black out shades and make it your perfect atmosphere. Yeah, I live in hotels. It's great. Yeah. And also having a king bed and just like like fishtail, like spreading out. Doesn't hurt. Turn <laughs> yeah. down service, all that. Yeah, you got to live that life. <laughs> well, so, you know, we're here today to specifically talk about these cool comic variants that we're doing um, Marvel with ESPN mm-hmm. for College Football Playoff. But for those who at home, who, what is the College Football Playoff? <laughs> sure. OK, so the College Football Playoff is entering its fifth year of being a part of college football. And basically, it whittles down the best teams in the nation to the last four teams basically standing. And we have two semifinal games, and they play each other to play in the national championship, where before, um, we were in the BCS era. So essentially, a computer told us which two teams are the best teams in the nation and who will play each other for a national championship. So I always like to use the example of this past year. We Alabama won the national title, but in BCS era world, they would not have even played for the national title because they did not play for an SEC championship. So, you know, that loss that they, they lost to Auburn during the regular season, that would have kicked them out. No opportunity to play for a title, but they're obviously the best team because they won a national championship. So I think the college football playoff have made it just a surefire way to make sure that we get to who is the national champion. Um, It's been a lot of fun. It's made the regular season even more important. We talk about week one games now like they're week 12 and we've never had to do that before. You know, they're like conference championship games and it's the first week of the season now because everyone's fighting to get to that playoff. Well, and also, like, it's actually exciting for the fans and for the players because they get extra, like, mm-hmm. the players themselves get extra game time. So yep. they get to show off their skills even more. Mm-hmm. But the fans get more to, like, chew on. Yeah. And I think a part of that, too, is we don't, in a normal season, you're not going to see Georgia play Oklahoma. And that's the game, one of the semifinal games that we had in the Rose Bowl. So, you know, it's the Big 12 champion versus the SEC champion. Where in a normal world, you don't always get to see that. And they're playing for a chance to play in the national championship. So these are the games that we're getting now with the playoff, which makes fans even more excited. So, of course, the Big 12 wants to show, yeah, the SEC's nothing. They've got nothing. And then the SEC wants to prove, yeah, but we're the best conference. And and it just goes back and forth either way. And Alabama, they were playing Clemson. So it's SEC versus ACC. It gives the fans a lot to cheer for and really to be proud of because your team is one of the ones that's still playing for a title at the end of the day. You know, I... Here in New York, we don't necessarily have a lot of like college football mm-hmm. hype, mm-hmm. but growing up in Michigan, you know, U of M was sort of the, you know, go blue was the big thing. I always remember going, you know, going home and being like how exciting it is to watch people play college football because 
it feels more real. Mm-hmm. Like it, it could be the person you went to class with that's in football. And I think that that's so exciting. Yeah. What's cool about college athletics, and I think it's the reason why I love it. I mean, whether it's basketball, volleyball or football, is that some of these athletes will literally never play at the level that they're playing at ever again. Some of them will never go pro. But right now they're completely doing it all for their teammates, their coaches and a fan base. And it means everything. I mean, they're not getting paid to do this and they're working like, you know, 12 hours days or whatever that looks like. Plus, you're adding on them having to go to class. And I've met some of the most extraordinary student athletes that are juggling so much and working so hard. And, you know, they've got issues at home, too. But on Saturdays, you wouldn't know it. And they're out there just trying to play for their fan base. Um, But funny story, we came to Times Square last year, college game day for the first time ever. We were live from New York City on Saturday. And you would be surprised how many and we had like our little I don't even know. It's like a cove in the middle of Times Square, and it was jam-packed with fans. So we kind of reached out to a lot of the fan bases that are here. Like, I know I went to the University of Georgia. There's a Georgia bar that's uh, right down the street from Madison Square Garden. So you, like, reach out to all the fan bases and try to get them to come to game day. And we, like, kind of made it feel like it was a campus for a moment. It was cute. And I bet all the tourists were like, what is this? (laughs) What is happening here? Can they move? But uh, it was fun. Unless they're Americans, then they, too, understand game day. (laughs) Then they knew. Yeah. I bet there was some we actually did a couple interviews just like people walking by and it was just me saying hey are you a college football fan um and most of them said no but i would ask questions about college football and try to catch them up kind of like a jimmy kimmel thing like just tell them lies about college football and see who would catch me and like no one did so i'm just saying there's not a ton of new york fans or college football fans in new york (laughs) i think it just mostly has to do with the fact of lack of space like most (laughs) colleges here in new york city don't have the space for a football field let alone a gym or high school Schools for that matter. I mean, too, I don't yeah. know how many high schools are able to field a college football team or how that necessarily works. But in the South, you just got acres and acres of space. So just like put a football field on every corner and have everyone play. We got plenty of space to do it. When oh, and, and people grow up themselves with backyards, so you can go mm-hmm. out back and you can throw a football or you can play some catch with baseball. Like there's, it's a different atmosphere. But I think New Yorkers do really well here mm-hmm. at still playing in the streets. I think that's something that's really great. So, but you talked about like being a college athlete. Mm-hmm. You yourself was one. Yeah, I um, went to the University of Georgia. So I, I grew up in Atlanta area, and I played volleyball and basketball. So when I first started out, I started playing basketball in sixth grade. Literally, the only reason I went to a volleyball tryout was because I didn't want to condition in the offseason for basketball. So it was just like a way to never get timed running the mile. And then I just kind of fell in love with it. So when I went to Georgia, I chose to play the sport of volleyball, but still ended up playing basketball as well. I played one year there, which is just enough for people to believe that you know everything about basketball. And they allowed <laughs> me to do like women's, being a women's analyst and also being able to work on the men's game, which is cool. But I think it gives me a unique perspective because I feel like I've been there. I've been through some of the things that the athletes have been through. And just trying to relate to them on that level helps me in my job as a reporter, having to work with them hands on. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I never played football. I mean, I, I never, I never <laughs> played football. I never played football. <laughs> but I never played sports past sort of my sophomore year of high school, but I played for a significant part of my childhood. But I've always grown up with a respect uh, for athletes themselves because mm-hmm. they, they are almost like real superheroes. They're doing things that they 
the powers that like I myself could not throw, like throwing a football <laughs> like down, like yeah. as far as that is, that's crazy to think about. And not only that, there's always like a villain standing in their way, right? <laughs> so like for Alabama, Thanos last year was Georgia and they're just like standing in front of them the whole time and just like, nah, bro, like I'm about to take all these stones. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so they're always playing it, not just themselves, because obviously superheroes have battles with themselves. You guys see that play out all the time in your Marvel movies. But there's a villain that is making sure that they do everything in their power to like exploit every single weakness and work to bring them down. And we get to watch that every single Saturday, like however many times over because however many games are happening, which is kind of the cool thing about it. And you see the crane rise to the top. You see the superheroes rise to the top. You find out who has vibranium and who doesn't. And uh, at the end of the year, that's usually the team that has a national championship on their side. Well, and also there must be so much pressure on athletes to, A, like keep their Mm -hmm. fellow classmates, you know, like excited and also like press, man, like Mm -hmm. to be so young and to be like have your face on TV. That must be a lot of power and pressure. Yeah. I think about kids like um, even last year. So and I'll take you to college basketball, but Trey Young. So all eyes were on him because he started out so strong and was playing really well. And the moment that his performance dipped some, everyone was like, oh, maybe he's terrible. And you see the same things happen in college football. I mean, Lamar Jackson, he was a Heisman Trophy winner um, in his sophomore season. And then his junior year, it just wasn't the same. You know, his team wasn't as good. It's not his fault, but questions surrounding him start to come up. Um, And now Louisville's having to play without him. And they're one of our huge week one games, you know, Louisville's playing Alabama to start the season. But those are kind of the examples of what these kids are shouldering. And again, most of them aren't even 20 yet. So I don't know how old the superheroes are at Marvel, but that's kind of young to be dealing with all that. So I try to keep that in perspective for people when we talk about the athletes. Yeah, I mean, that is so important to think about. I mean, we do have some young female Mm -hmm. superheroes. Um, Moon Girl, uh, Moon Girl, Devil Dinosaur. Mm-hmm. She's the smartest person in the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. But it is to think about the the power of this, and also you know this this moment in time where they're, it's like their prime mm-hmm. being an athlete, and like you know, are they going to keep on going on, or are there, is this this their moment? But they're right. but they're really excited to have that mm-hmm. moment, and it, will it consistently move on? Since we're talking about women who are awesome, that brings me to the national championship for women's basketball. So to me, then Moon Girl would be Arike Gumbawale, who was also on Dancing with the Stars, but she back to back games, like literally the semis of the Final Four and the national championship game, she hits the game winning shot, like. How do you even begin to live up to that? Like, she's going to start out the season feeling like, I mean, I've done everything that there is to do and all eyes are going to be on her. And if she has a bad game, like everyone's going to be talking about whether or not, you know, she's just completely thrown it in or because they won a national championship, it's over. But, you know, she's the reason why Notre Dame gets that victory. And she was the superhero in both of those games. And she was the reason why the win came. But it's interesting to see kind of the pressure and the stress that goes on. These athletes are we can call them superheroes or whatever you reference them as, but they're young and they're handling it. And, you know, talking about female superheroes, but female athletes, you know, that was something growing up that I decided not to make a career in sports because as a woman, I didn't see that many women playing sports. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I've been watching a lot of college softball because it was like all over yeah. TV when we were traveling down in Texas. And I was like, I was so excited to see it on TV and I see everyone playing these games. And it's it's important that there are women and, and young girls seeing that these women playing sports, you mm-hmm. know? I think that's, you bring up the, the common question about how important is representation. And to me, it's everything. Like, how can you see yourself doing something if you've literally never 
never seen it happen before. You're if you're not exposed to certain things, you're just going to believe that they're kind of impossible. And so working at ESPN, it's awesome because we do put so many sports like softball on air. You know, our college volleyball championships are on air. The time and the television that we dedicate to the women's basketball championships, it's just it makes me happy that I know that there's a young girl sitting at home that can turn on the TV and say, you know what, I can play any sport I want. I can play, you know, SEC or ACC uh, soccer too. Like there's anything out there for me if I'm willing to commit to it and work really hard at it. All of these options are available. And that's because they can turn on the TV. It's not just, you know, it's not just tennis and you can just, you can play in Wimbledon, but you can also do all these things in college, have it paid for, be successful, have time devoted to you, have interviews done, um, people that really care about whether or not you're successful in your sport. And I think that being on a team and playing a team sport and also, you know, if you do an individual sport is really important for young women and men as they grow up. It First of all, it gives you learn, teaches you team building, which mm-hmm. you need in an office yep. and in a job. And it also teaches you to, like, be in control of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you talked about interviews. That's so important to be able to talk to someone. Boom. Like you never know when you're going to have to stand in, in, at a meeting at the front and give a presentation. And that one time you did that interview is so important. Yeah. No way I could be doing what I do now without being an athlete. Like nothing in me. The reason why I'm outgoing, the reason why I feel like I can handle stress and pressure, the reason why, you know, there's confidence there is because of sports. Like I, I feel like I can do anything if I try and really practice or really study, you know. Um, and then also I just remember coming up and a lot of things remind me because I have a younger sister now um, and I'm I'm always telling her, like, well, I, when I was in school and my coach, he hated me and we didn't get along and da 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 But I remember going home and my mom was like, listen, you're going to have a boss one day that you're not going to get along with and you're going to have to deal with them. So either you quit the team or you keep playing, but don't call me again complaining. You know what I mean? And these are the lessons you learn when you play college sports. It's like, you got to do what your coach tells you or else you can like go sit on the bench and cry and quit the team. So these are the lessons that you learn really young, which is something that I'm so thankful for. It just created a little bit of a harder shell. You can deal with criticism. Um, you, you know that you can make it constructive. You can build on it, which is important too as you get older. Um, and then you just kind of know the value of hard work and, and what it can lead to. So you talked a little bit about joining volleyball because you wanted on the, during the <laughs> off season. But like what drew you to sports when you were younger? I'm huge. Um, you are very tall. I'm, I'm large. <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean you have to play sports, for the record. True. So my dad's 6'7". He, too, is huge. Wow. My, yeah, my brother is 6'7", also huge. So we're just huge. Like, we always were around sports. My dad played college basketball. Um, I knew that I wanted to do something. I didn't really always know what it was. Like, I played softball when I was younger. And I think it's important for especially young girls to just try a bunch of different stuff. Your body changes. You grow. Um, I played softball, a little bit of soccer, and learned that basketball was the sport for me. And then later on, as my body continued to change, it was like, no, volleyball is like where you have your highest potential. So it was fun to kind of grow through all of those phases. But if I had a kid that was, I mean, 5'5", five, 5'2", five, five, I would still say, like, you need to play sports all through high school if you can. Like, it's, it's that important. I think it's that special. I think it builds so much, especially in a woman, the confidence that we would have in our own bodies and, like, letting a man know that what you say about me or how you feel about me means nothing because I can still squat, you know, 130 or whatever it is. Like, my body is meant for way more than you to judge. Like, that's what I gathered from being an athlete and what I think women should gather from playing sports or just working out or being athletic and just being physical, like feeling good being physical is important. Well, there's also an emotional high of like Mm -hmm. of actually physically working out, you know, 
obviously, if you play on a team and your team wins a lot, then you're great. You feel good. I was yeah. on a lot of losing teams, so. I, I also <laughs> you know feel that. that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So my my uh, grade school that I went to at Michigan, mm-hmm. almost every single team I played on, we were terrible. Oh, I mean, listen, yes. <laughs> you learn a lot. But you, you, And I think that that's also really important is that when you play a, a sport, obviously, everyone wants to win, mm-hmm. but it's important to learn what it means to lose. Yeah, and it's important because, again, I've had terrible games. I've broadcasted terribly where I felt like, surely they're not going to give me another game. Like, they should not employ me anymore at ESPN. That's how bad I felt about the game that I worked. But you've been through those games as athletes, too, where you're like, man, like, I don't think I could be any worse than I just was. But you got to wake up and you got to go to practice the next day and you got to go lift weights and you got to make a decision to support your team. You know what I mean? You, it's not about you. Like you still need to play the role that you've been given on that team. And I feel the same way about my broadcast teams. So it teaches you kind of early that you got to battle through the losses just as much as you battle through wins or kind of soak up and take advantage of wins because both of them are going to happen. How do you deal with them? How do you grow from them? How do you construct something positive out of them? And that's what you learn in sports. Yeah. And I think that it's also important, though, if you didn't necessarily play a sport when you were younger, it's never too late to start. You Absolutely know? not. Um, I uh, quit in high school and got into art and I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, started I joined a swim, a swimming team. Oh, really? And I from there somehow started doing triathlons. <laughs> <laughs> You're insane. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> I like can't swim to save my life. I can swim. But like the idea, how long do you have to swim in a triathlon? Uh, so if you do an Olympic try, which is what I do. You swim a mile, so fifteen hundred mm-hmm. uh, meters. Yeah, I'd be like, if you the canoe's so not next to that me, would, <laughs> you could step along the way. And here's the, here's and the, like hold on to something. Can you? Yeah. So as okay. long as technically you don't touch the bottom, okay. there are so every try has a different rule. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one interesting thing is it doesn't matter what stroke you do. Mm-hmm. So you could do doggy paddle. Yeah. Um, which sometimes I do when I'm tired. <laughs> you can do backstroke. You can sit there and float. Mm-hmm. So just so you know, if but you, you ever can't need to bring do it. floaties. You can't. But you're tall, if, so you only have to swim like you I would have to swim double what you would have I to would swim. actually secretly just be putting my foot on the ground and like popping back up the <laughs> whole time yeah, you're so <laughs> it's like it's just so six tall. feet right let's go <laughs> <laughs> but even just trying something new is kind of what you bring up too and I know sometimes professionally like I'm afraid of stepping out and doing something new um last year it was starting college game day for the first time I'm like oh this is like new and I don't know if I'm ready for it or sometimes you feel like you don't even deserve to be there or something like that like how can this work um and I'm sure you have doubts when you're doing a triathlon you know, so this idea that you put yourself out there and like tried is really, really important and kind of like pushed yourself past the point of where you think would be too much for you. That's something that lasts a lifetime. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, talking about new things, mm-hmm. right? Like, how do you prepare? How do you like you clearly get a new challenge and mm-hmm. you're like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to do college football playoff. Like right. that seems like so many there's so much stats. There's so many teams. How do you keep them all straight? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um This year, for example, okay, so for the first time I worked the NBA Combine this year. And so it's just when a lot of the college players come together and they're playing, you know, five on five in front of GMs, scouts, coaches, trying to figure out who might like them and eventually draft them into the NBA. And so we're covering guys from all over the place. And I probably only do, say, 10 or 12 men's college basketball games during the regular season, two of which are Duke UNC games. So I see them over and over again, but I'm not like getting to see the guy that went to Boise State. 
So I spent like a week uh, in California and it was over my birthday. And I was like, I just I literally can't celebrate my birthday because I just want to be studying for the combine because I don't want to mess it up. Um, and I went through every single player and you just you research until you're sick of it, because what I think makes broadcasting easier and what makes you feel natural and look natural on TV is just kind of knowing your information inside and out. So if a kid comes up and he's starting to just break out and score out of his mind, I need to be prepared with stats or know what he's been through. Was it his sophomore year that he started turning around? What has his coach said about him? What do scouts think about him? Um, and all that information needs to come to me naturally. So it takes a lot, but I do the same thing for college football. I mean, I get we find out which game we're going to work on Sundays. So by Monday, I've placed a call to their sports information director and told them which players I'd like to speak to throughout the week. By the time we get to Friday, hopefully I've talked to every single one of those players on the phone and like had a conversation kind of got a vibe and a beat on the team um also I just kind of create my own little too deep so I know who will be on the field most likely and I need to know if the quarterback injured his right pinky three games ago because if he re-injures it I need to know if he injures his left hand I need to know because I can say you know what two weeks ago it was his right hand we're talking about now it's his left hand and he's a righty and you know whatever that information is I should be able to add value um but part of dealing with that too is you know that only part of your information is even going to get in the broadcast at the end of the day the game dictates what we talk about so we might never get to the the conversation I had with the linebacker because the linebacker doesn't matter. The defense sucked that day. You know what I mean? So you prepare, you over-prepare, and a lot of times you're over-prepared for everything that you're going into, but it's better to be over-prepared than under-prepared. Do you have any sort of tips or tricks for, like, absorbing that much information and then Mm -hmm. also being able to, like, you're live, you got to talk about the thing that's happening live. Like, what is that? What goes through your brain? For... Preparing. I know for me, I have to write things down. So it's like kind of learning the way that your brain works. Mine works with hand. I don't know what that means. There's probably like a name for it that neuroscientists know. But if I write something down, I can remember it. If I don't, like it's not happening. If I just read it, it ain't happening. And when you're live, a lot of it is just about reacting to what's happening. So if you ask a question to a coach and he says something crazy like, yeah, well, our defense literally is doing nothing. And then so your next question can't just be like, okay, but like, what about the offense? It's like, if he's talking about the defense doing nothing, I need to find I need to dig deeper into his answer. So you really have to listen and you have to react and be good dealing with kind of reactionary uh, questions or being able to ask questions in that way. And then I think also like, you just have to be able to, to deal with anything. It might be raining. I, I've had a lot of games that are like raining and windy and all these crazy things are happening or it goes into overtime really quick or the last play of the game is the winning or losing play. Last year in the national championship, that literally happened. Like We were running to find the quarterback that threw the touchdown. He was hidden by all of his teammates because, I mean, we didn't think that he was going to step up and throw the game-winning touchdown. He was like sacked for 25 yards the play before and then he throws the touchdown. So you just never know what's going to happen. But... I would not trade what I do in live events for anything because I think it prepares me for everything. Yeah. Yeah, no, I see that. I mean, what what drew you to wanting to be a sports commentator? I just want to be at like I want to be at the last game for everything I cover. So if I cover college basketball, like I want to be there when national champions are crowned. I never won one when I was in college. Like I want to live vicariously through whatever kid or coach I'm talking to. <laughs> so really, it's really selfish. I'm just trying to like be at national championships and pretend like I'm the winner <laughs> and ask the questions. <laughs> but no, that's kind of my goal. So like whatever sport I'm covering, I just want to be there when you know the last play of that season happens and talk to whoever is the champion and just be a part of that moment and that atmosphere and just document you know I want to be a part of that 
Oh, I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we talked a little about representation earlier, but I think what's also important as a woman of color, mm-hmm. there also needs to be more representation within sports. Yeah. You know, there you see a lot in sort of basketball, but a lot of the other sports there needs to be more. Yeah, I agree. I think, and for me, it was always I would turn on the TV and I would see Robin Roberts, and for me, I just I just zeroed in on her, and she was the one who I watched. She was the one who I pretended to be. You know what I mean? And she was the one who everything that I I do I'm like I want to be like Robin I want to when I do a sit down interview how does Robin does she cross her arms and legs or like what is she doing because you see yourself in that person and I think we can all do a better job of putting people in positions where a young girl a young girl of color sitting down at home can look up turn on the tv and see someone that looks like her like I think that's so important because in a lot of ways I always thought you know what I don't have the same look as other people so I will never be considered for certain jobs and that's okay that's something I literally told myself like completely and totally shocked when they're like, no, you can't do game day. I always assume that's not something that you'll ever do. And I'm just literally me telling myself that, you know. Um, and so now it's cool to be in a position where I think there's a girl somewhere turning on the TV and I hear it all the time. I have dads like write me on Instagram and say that, you know what I mean? Dads that write me on Twitter is like, I make sure my girl watches you because I just want her to know she can do it if she wants to, that the option is there. Um, so the more that we can continue to push diversity and continue to, to put people of color and roles that are not just being an analyst, like you don't have to always be an analyst for basketball just because you played. Like, can you be the anchor? Can you be the reporter? Can you lead the show? Like, these are things that we're going to have to continue to cross and work at. These are bridges that we have to cross eventually. Um, but I think we're moving in the right direction. But I, I know for a fact, like I had one person to look to. I, Lisa Salters was on my list, too. Um, And then I was also lucky my senior woman's administrator at Georgia was Carla Williams. And she just became the first black female AD at like a division one or BCS school, big time school. And she's at Virginia now. So she kind of always told me you can do whatever you want. And although it's a different industry, I kind of felt like, okay, if she keeps pushing for whatever greatness is or wherever she hasn't seen herself before, I can do the same in my industry. So it's important to kind of have that mentor, too, that you can reach out, touch and talk to and feel comfortable around. And then the one that you can watch from afar which for me was Robin Roberts and kind of putting all those things together helps you get there. Yeah, we talk a lot about mentors here at Marvel because it's a lot of the women that have worked here have mentored the people mm-hmm. that come up behind them mm-hmm. because it is important for another woman to be able to tell you, you can do this mm-hmm. and it's important. And as part of that mentorship, you have sort of started a group yeah. called Winning Edge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Winning Edge uh, Leadership Academy. We actually are coming off of our first ever Winning Edge retreat. So we had 16 student athletes come down to Miami. And um, our goal is to help women and minorities kind of get their foot in the door in the sports industry. So you might want to be an SID, a sports information director. You might want to be an athletic director one day. Uh, You might want to be a head coach. And we just want you to know that there's a support system for you. And I've learned because I go on all these college campuses and I see the student athletes and I see, okay, 80% of your football team is African-American male. And I look at your athletic department and maybe one, you know, how do we write this ship? How do we make sure that these players know that eventually they could be sitting in your seat and they don't know because they don't see themselves there. And so I go on campuses. We have conversations about it. Uh, Schools have been very open to, hey, we think we want to start a program at our school. And how do we get our student athletes involved? But we had um, dinners of influences during our retreat. So we brought people like Carla Williams, the athletic director I was talking about. She comes down to Miami and just sits at a table with kids and they have an open dialogue about what they can do to get in the 
industry. When they leave, she has an assist card, obviously, because basketball assists, and just <laughs> writing down, you know, who can she connect them to? What's the next step here? Not just like sitting down and having a conversation, but how do I grow the student athletes network? And we stick with them. I mean, we're going to have them from the retreat on. We have one kid that's already agreed to go work at TCU and we had a kid that we took to Tennessee. Now he's working in student athlete development. And we're just using our network, opening up our whole web of friends and colleagues and saying, hey, you want a diverse work group or candidate group or you want some interviewees that are minorities or women? We got you. We found them already. Just let us know what you need. Um, so it's been fun to see people really invest in diversity and like invest in the program and the kids that come through our awesome so it's been really fun i mean that's so amazing it like warms my heart because it's so important <laughs> yeah. you know showing that there can be an opportunity for those coming mm-hmm. up especially a lot of a lot of athletes sometimes come from low-income yes worlds and communities first generation college they're going to be first generation college graduates like they don't even sometimes know like okay so what is the next step if i go to grad school do i even have to do i have to take a test and we're like yes <laughs> the gre you know what i mean like but no one's telling them this so it's it's really small things like that oh and it's also important to know what jobs are available you mm-hmm. know it's it's one of those things where you know okay well I can play sports and I can work in sports but what does <laughs> but that what? mean <laughs> like especially at college and up in pro there's so much support staff across mm-hmm. the platform from being a medical person on yep, hand yep. to working with them to make sure that PR wise they're mm-hmm. saying what they need to say <laughs> like and it's important to know what the opportunities are there for them yeah we had a panel at our retreat and it was emerging careers and one of the guys that came through he worked in e-gaming which is like this brand new field that is flourishing yeah. to the point where like I mean NBA teams have brought on franchises that are only like it's NBA 2K and that's all they're going to play. And like you get you draft a point guard and you draft a forward and a shooting guard and everyone's like playing their role. Um, And these guys are I mean, they're signing deals. You know what I mean? They're really going to play in these tournaments like this is a real thing that's happening. So this is an entire there's a brand new door that's opening called e-gaming. And so it's like just making our students aware that that is also an option. There's so many things we taught minor league baseball, NASCAR, just sports that you don't really think about. You think football. You think basketball and that's it. We just wanted to like open everyone's eyes to the options that they have in sports and and just know that like everyone's looking to diversify. So why not be a part of that change? Yeah. Well, we haven't talked about your your love of uh, of comics of Marvel. Yes, all things, all, all things. things. Well, uh, how, what drew you to to sort of superherodom? I don't know. Like, first of all, there's just something so big and epic. Like, it's a brand new world, right? So when I go to movies, I'm not trying to see. And no offense to any rom coms or anything like that, but like, <laughs> I want to be blown away. Like, I want to sit down and be like, oh my god, yes, what galaxy are we in, Guardians? You know what I mean? Like, yes, Captain. America, let's go back to the 40s or whenever that was. I mean, I want to sit down and be taken somewhere that I've never been before and see something that I've never seen before. And that's what I think Marvel does every single movie that they put out. I want to go to Wakanda. You know, what is that? I don't know. Like, let's go see it. Um, And every storyline is just like so well thought out and so different. And then to sit down and see it all woven together, say in the Avengers, I'm just like, how did who even thought of this? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, where were the brains that sat down and made this happen? Like, they should probably just run the country. Like, we need to get them all together and like make the world a better place. Um, so it's kind of just like the bigness of it all. Like it, it seems, I don't know, it just seems so huge. It's competitive still. Like everything's very physical. There's fighting. Every time you see a Marvel movie, you know that there's going to be an epic fight scene. You know, I love stuff like that. 
I mean, escapism is exactly what movies used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, you would go to the movies to escape your life. And I think it's still there. You know, there is some reality to movies, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, and, and also being sort of a, a part of a, a big company that produces these big movies and also being able to talk to all the different people that do it because it's a big team. It's again, it's a team. Yeah. You know, making a film, you you watch those while you're waiting for the end credit scene. Right. You watch all those names and every single one of those people was important to putting together that Avengers film or whatever mm-hmm. film. And it's it's back to playing sports and teams. Life is about working as a team. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, when you see the credits roll, I'm just like, man, it took so many people to make this just come together. And I remember like sitting down at the, and you have to watch the credits in yes, Marvel movies because I sing, need wait. to see the last scene. So I need to like <laughs> wait. I don't have a choice. Um, but you're sitting there and you're like, man, like the one person who was in charge of like red on Captain America, like, and they just had to do all the red things that were on Captain America. I can't believe that there's something so specific for every single person but again that's just like you have to know your role you gotta play your role well or like the entire team can fall apart the entire movie can fall apart and that, again that's what's so cool probably about watching Marvel movies yeah and coming back full circle to these covers that mm-hmm. um, uh, should be out now you know this is the fifth time we've worked with yep. ESPN to do these fun variant covers and and especially to do with college fo- uh, football playoff like with these fun mascots I, I mean know. the elephant I love the elephant <laughs> you love Big Al he's a thing <laughs> he's kind of cute is that terrible I feel like he would fit in with Guardians of the Galaxy like to me Big Al could just be like every now and then driving the ship or whatever or flying I guess he'd be flying the ship he would totally fit in there um, but yeah you're taking like these almost cuddly creatures we're gonna call them that because like I mean Big one Al's, of his actual a, physical tiger one of, is an actual tiger that could kill you um, Mike the tiger does not play games <laughs> but to see like the tiger and he's about to go after Sebastian who is an ibis and it's like this huge big white bird that is made to look fierce and be strong and they're gonna battle one another and you know they are the superhero that all the hurricanes are rallying around and all of the LSU Tigers are rallying around and they're not just going to be this guy that's in a costume. It's like, nah, man, this is a superhero and they're ready to bring it week one. Like, it's kind of cool to just put, to visualize that a little bit more and to see it kind of play out as if these mascots are superheroes and, and so much more than just what we see them in in regular life. And I think it's great for the fans and the players themselves because, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I'm sure a lot of them are, are fans of mm-hmm. Marvel and for us to blend it together and, and to put their mascots as superheroes on a cover must be like, yeah. wow. <laughs> oh, trust me. All the players are fans of Marvel. Okay, like, great. We, I talk to them all the time, like, what's your favorite movie? And it'll, every single time it's like Iron Man. Which one? Uh, Iron Man 2. And like, they'll give you an exact scene and know exactly what happened <laughs> oh God, in every amazing. single movie. Oh my God, they love it. But yeah, I think every single player has envisioned themselves at some point as a superhero that's what you have to do you, you take yourself back to the backyard and you're like clocks winding down final play of the game I got to make the throw or I got to make the catch and that's what they do and they're living out their dreams as we watch them during a regular season or as we watch them in the college football playoff and now we just kind of get to visualize it super early uh, with the covers that Marvel has created. Yeah, well, make sure you guys are going and picking up these fun variants. And we've got some uh, actually great behind-the-scenes videos that Maria is joining us for. They let me in, guys. (laughs) So one final question for you. We always like to ask everyone who comes on The Woman of Marvel advice. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to young uh, women and men out there who want to be in sports? Mm, Great question. I think make sure that you have a mentor. So find someone that has experience in the industry, someone that you trust and that you feel like will really give you time um, and be the person that lifts you up. Find an advocate. 
And that's going to be someone that's in the room making decisions when you can't be in the room. But there's someone that's going to speak highly of you um, and know that the industry of sports, as I'm sure it is in comics, is very small. So every single person that you talk to, whether that's a janitor or an assistant or a secretary, just make sure that you leave them feeling better than they did before you walked in the room. Like leave everyone feeling good about who you are as a person, because at the end of the day, that's going to determine how high you go or how fast you fall. So just make the decision to be a good person that makes people feel good. That's great advice. Yeah. Be (laughs) a team member, even with the people that may not necessarily be playing the game with you. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, for those at home, where can they follow you on the Internet? Yes. um, Twitter or Instagram. I'm at Maria Taylor seven. Just the number seven. That was my volleyball number. Actually, ah. yeah. Is that when you created your Twitter handle? <laughs> that is way back okay. in the day. <laughs> um, and you can follow the Winning Edge at the WE Leadership if you want to learn more about the Winning Edge Leadership Academy. And when will you be on ESPN now? So, well, make sure you watch College Game Day every Saturday, 9 a.m. Get up with Game Day on ABC at nights, usually at 8 p.m. Eastern. You can watch us on the night game. And yeah, I'll just be around. Lots, lots of TV, lots of travel. Turn on the set and see what's going on at ESPN. If it has to do with college football, I'm probably there. <laughs> great. I mean, this was so exciting talking to you. Yeah, it's great talking to you too. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you. Thanks again to Maria for joining us and being tall on the podcast set. It was great. Make sure you guys are watching all things college football as the season kicks off this month and everything that Maria is doing on ESPN. Plus, uh, you can follow her at MariaTaylor7 on Twitter, and then you can check out her organization, The Winning Edge, also on Twitter. That's it for us. You can always email us at womanof at marvel.com or tweet at Marvel with hashtag Woman of Marvel. Plus, make sure you guys are following our Instagram at the Woman of Marvel. Um, we've been doing some pretty fun stuff up there, and we'll, we'll have more upcoming as New York Comic Con is slowly coming upon us. So that's it. We'll check you guys later. This is Marvel, your universe.